0: I've had to ring and check with my children, who think I'm a, you know, terrible father. So, you know, one way or another. Just the idea of presenting myself in this way. They're just, I'm just, I know they're sitting, they'll be sitting over my shoulders going, what? I am I?
1: Hello and welcome to this episode of Dave Berry's Dad Pod where for over two years now we've been celebrating parenthood and I've been getting invaluable dad advice from some very special guests. My daughter Evie who inspired this podcast is a little bit older now but there is still clearly so much for me to learn and that is why I am delighted to be joined on the dad pod by a comedian, writer, actor, OBE recipient, and father to George and Catherine, and grandfather to Elwin and Eris. It is Griff Reese Jones.
0: Hello, Griff. Dave, you've come to the wrong corner of the world to learn things from. I have to, uh, I'm always trying to teach people. Still. No one will listen. <laughs> Let's have a go.
1: Um, Griff it is honestly so lovely having you on I I thank you for your time and I want to start by saying congratulations on becoming a a grandparent for the second time uh, to baby Eris who was born just back in January so my first question is you must be counting down the days until you can have a proper cuddle and say hello
0: yes I am of course of course now I have to be careful what I say here Dave you know I adore children when they grow up a little bit babies You know, there's a wonderful thing in in P.G. Woodhouse, you know, where um, I can't remember, it's Gussie Fink-Nottle, I think. I can't remember who it is. They go and they have, um, they go out in the park with their prams to have competitions to see who's got the ugliest baby, you know. I... Wow, and, I, just, I, just, I love, I love the podcast. Well, I, I love, but so we got off to a terrible start, haven't we? So I'm really <laughs> looking forward to seeing Eris, and Eris will actually be, you know, focusing and fantastic. Yeah, I am. And, um, but I so miss seeing Elwin, uh, who is uh, two and a half now. Oh. I, uh, he is just, he's just the most, uh, he's just beautiful. I mean, I've never had a child in in my family who's been beautiful. He's just a beautiful kid and he's so good natured and adventurous and fantastic and so unlike his father. Your son will be thrilled
1: to hear this, I know. So how have you found the role of, of grandparent? Obviously you're you're fawning over them and you're speaking so yeah. lovingly about them and, and I just love to hear that. It makes my heart swell. Yeah. But but did but the moment, as you say, when they become a little more interesting, does it
0: feel very different to being a dad? Does, well, does it does does it does totally feel totally, part of your brain going, tickling. Well, isn't it funny that you're lifted off the responsibility slightly? So you do, you know you can go for a little walk. I mean, I don't mind. I don't know if I ever have a pain. You know, you get babies and become dads when you're actually in the middle of being very, very, very active, don't you? I mean, your life, uh, Dave, I know, is full of things. You know, you've got lots of things as a bloke to get on with. When you get to my age, I haven't got so much to do, is the honest (laughs) truth. So if Erwin wants to sit on the tractor for uh, 10 minutes, I don't mind. I'm perfectly happy. When you know, if he was my son, I'd be going. Come on, Elwin, Come on, we've got to we've got to finish now. We've had on. We've been on the tractor. I know that. I know it's fun. I know we're not going anywhere. All and we're all making noises. Never we done that. Come on! Come on! We've got to go now. We've got to get in the car. So there's sort of there's that. And the great thing about being a grandparent is you know you can pick up little children. And, you know, and say um, do, everything. and then you just move, 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 and hand them straight back to mum and that sort of aspect of it is of course is adorable um, I just, I mean there's an element of wanting you know, of sort of you know, you have absence happens, you know, so you have to go we've done a lot of FaceTime and I have mm. to admit that being a grandparent and finding yourself saying to a two and a half year old little boy you know what did you do today helping you know and he you can see him thinking Christ <laughs> I sat on a tractor granddad <laughs> well you can really you can see him thinking what I'm doing things because the great thing about kids, anyway, is they're doing things. That they don't want to know. They don't want to sit there and discuss what they did yesterday, do they? I mean, it's the whole point about being a child is to get living the eternal present. So it's linear. It's just going. <laughs> it is. whereas if you're with them. So FaceTime is weird. I have tried putting on masks and things like that, and puzzled him and think you know just oh, that's nice. so. And uh, and I find it's quite fun to play trying to steal his. Food, but we like actually find it because the time it's easiest to talk to him is when he's having his supper because he is sort of engaged in having his supper and all that thing that goes on with kids you know when they wear those those bibs and all the food he's at that age half yeah. the food goes in his mouth half the food goes in the bib you know those scoopy bibs the ones you that sit got
1: the little there. ledge on the on the bottom that's you? right yeah, yeah and yeah, he
0: sits yeah. there and scoops up what he hasn't eaten out of the bib <laughs> as time goes on you know so. It's instructive for me because I'd rather like to do that myself. I'm getting to the stage where actually I'd like one of those bibs. I think one of those bibs would be useful. It's nice that you're not
1: wasteful. I like that as a character. character Well,
0: I'm not wasteful, but I have to be more careful because I do get up from lying in front of the television, watching MasterChef and eating my evening meal at the same time, which is complicated, (laughs) and find that I've spilt most of it right down the front of my, sort of you know, uh, my yeah. oliver, uh, oliver spencer beautiful sort of you know thing. anyway that's that sort of goes you've on. got so, gravy in your ginnel and, and nobody uh, wants that's all, yeah yeah no you don't know so so i love talking to elwin when he's when he's having this meal because he's got he's not going to run away you know he's, he's sort of stuck and he'll talk away and tell us what he's eating and what he's doing but a it's, captive it's just, audience
1: i think is is a good piece of advice if you're dealing with with toddlers Having them as a captive audience is a good way of getting the, the best time that you can with them, particularly in a FaceTime type situation.
0: Yes, and you know the funny thing about kids is this is a, the weirdest thing about being a parent is you realise that the story of growing up. I don't. How old are your kids, Dave?
1: Uh, I've got one daughter. Her name's Evie, yeah. and she was she's two now. She was two in oh December. right,
0: two. Okay. Yeah. I've got bad news for you, right. It's just the bad and truthful news. What happens? So, at some point, you know, a child, a little baby, starts crying because they want something, uh, uh, and they don't actually—they're not actually—you know—they don't actually want it. They're just—they're just crying. To indicate. That's the first lie that the child sort of gives you. So, what I'm saying—I mm-hmm. know this sounds quite harsh, quite headmasterish—but the truth is about about your children is the golden period is when they gaze into Dave's eyes and they love you and that you're just perfect and they want to give every every single thing to you. And gradually, the, you know, until they reach the age of 15, when they don't even acknowledge your presence. <laughs> And that is a gradual process (laughs) that is called growing up and becoming an adult where kids gradually move into their own world and their own life and their own personalities and their private world. And that's, you know, that's the sort of story of growing up and dads. What's really interesting to me is my mum's still alive. So she's a great grandmother. Oh, that's lovely. Well, it is. It's lovely. She's, in a. she's been in a care. Gwyneth, I believe. Gwyneth, that's
1: Gwyneth right. is yeah, great grandma.
0: Yeah, so uh, the thing you discover as you have you got old, elderly. No, you wouldn't because you're young. You haven't. Really no, no, old... I, I
1: have no. My my, my, my nan uh, who is ninety nine yeah. is a great grandmother to to, oh. to three children, my daughter and my, my sister's
0: two daughters. Wow. Wow. Well, that trumps mine. That trumps mine. No. My well, mother. it's
1: it's just but... a, it's a nice thing. It's a. If, if only we it, could amazing. get the kids into the care home that she's in, it would be a, a nicer
0: thing. But unfortunately, they're not I the know. times in which we live. No, I know. So that'll all—that's all to come. So that's what we can say to grannies: is you know, it's something to look forward to to get you through this. Is you'll yeah. be able to sort of hug your kids and our grandchildren and all that. But what's really weird is my mum. You know, lives in, in uh, lived for a long time in Woodbridge, and she's very independent. Uh, go and see her, and I've got a house up here in Suffolk, which is where I'm now. I'll be in the house in Suffolk, and uh, I'd go up and see her and so on. I'd go and visit her because that's. And you realise the funny thing is that as a parent. As you get older you're perfectly content to have your children with you just there and that never goes away you know like she'll sit in the room she doesn't have anything new to tell me my mother there's absolutely no I mean generally I mean, nothing's happened to her nothing happens to me either it's lockdown but yeah I have to ring, we, we sit and she just wants a sort of a, a communing with me that never goes oh. away well, that's and lovely, I realize man. well it is lovely but it's true you'll find th- I know I'm not saying this is really weird because I'm here to be the oldest person probably you'll ever going to talk to about being a dad but the thing is that what's weird is it comes to you as well I'm perfectly happy so you for fi- I say you know uh, to Catherine Catherine you know come up to, you know we're Christmas, having Christmas in the house up here in Suffolk, we, you know, and everybody would come, and it, we've we've got a good house here, you know. It's a sort of like a rock and roll house. It's all got all the things, all the toys and everything. She said, "No, I'm not going. I'm not coming." No. I said, "What?" She said, "I don't want to come all the way to, to Suffolk for Christmas." I said, "From London, it's not." No, she said, "No, I'm going to Thailand." I said, <laughs>
1: <laughs> "Oh, Catherine, you let it slip right at the end there. You could have at
0: least said you were staying put." <laughs> well, said darling how do you do this you go to thailand you can't she said yeah i've got a really cheap flight on uh christmas day because nobody goes on christmas day so it's cheap to get me to thailand i said please you know I, you know what you you don't want to spend christmas sitting you know watching old films and and just drinking you know uh gin and tonics you know for for eight she said that's exactly what we do at christmas <laughs> So, but the point is I have reached that stage that my mother's in, you know, where I would be so, I just go, why aren't, you know, why aren't you coming? For what purpose? Well, I mean, you know, just to, just to be with us. I don't want to be with you. (laughs) No, you do. You do, honestly. Try and do things that you want to do. And that, that does, that does, that is the terrible thing about being a parent is gradually you realize that you can't, you can't exactly win because you can't because children to just come and hang out. They don't want to hang out with their parents after a while. They want to hang out with their friends and all that stuff. But parents never lose that that, that desire, even when you're as crusty as I am, you know, and I'm basically an old man myself. My mother just wants to hang out with me. Well, but I'm going, Mum, I don't, I can't. I've got time for this. I've got, I'm too busy. I can't come in. and I would go and see her. in. I'm going to Thailand? <laughs> no, no, but I would go and see her in and She'd say, well, you could stay the night here. And I said, what? And she'd say, well, you could stay in the, in the spare room. I said, why would I do that? I've got my own house. <laughs> it's got all the toys and, and the gadgets, mum. You remember. I'm only 12 miles away. I want to go and sleep in my own bed. But I don't want to stay in your house.
1: Talking about spending time with your parents, uh, 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 one part of that, for, for many people but not for all, is, is the kind of introduction to, uh, to comedy and entertainment uh, when, when you're a kid yourself. Now, we spoke about Gwyneth and your dad Elwin, obviously who your grandson was named after, which is a lovely thing, uh, was a doctor and we'll, we'll get onto that shortly. But what I wanted to know initially was I kind of remember my dad when I was small showing me Dave Allen and he was sat in the chair with the glass of scotch and he was doing his funny monologues. And I just kind of a lifelong love affair began. Uh, Did did, did your mum and dad introduce you to things that maybe set you off on the path that you would follow? Or was it very much about carving out your own niche with that and hiding under the duvet in the bedroom type thing?
0: Listen, you have to be careful. That's all I say. Because what kids do is they find it. It's in, you put things in their bloodstream which you don't intend to, because it's not. It's not like. It's not like you know. I, for example, I sail in a boat. Well, I yes. sail boats, right? famously. Because yes. my yeah, because my dad used to take his family like a sort of human shield, like Saddam Hussein, you know. And he'd take all his leave <laughs> at one time, and he'd go off, and he was so. You know, he'd have loved this lockdown. He was about the most antisocial person it was possible. You know, he never right. wanted. You know, so we'd have to get into this small boat, which is smaller than the room I'm in. You know, or a whole family, and there was room to lie like a sort of, you know, like a sort one of those sort of those sort of you know ships, uh, 18th century ships with people. You know, and you had to lie head to toe. You know, and I'd I'd be staring into my into my um. Mum's feet, you know, all night yeah. uh, and sort of, you know, sharing in a bucket. That's how bad oh, wow. I Wow, okay. Just Thanks, do Dad. don't understand. No, no, but exactly. So now I find that I have to do that on holiday myself. I can't think of any other <laughs> form of holiday. And it was like even doing it was bad then. Why do I have to do it now? It's like sort of. So all I'm saying is, you know, you may be taught, you may feel you might come to a point where you need your son to you know listen to something or educate him but he's already you're already inculcated if you spend most nights lying prostrate watching watching Dave Allen, you'll find that he, you know, he'll grow up and he'll be completely addicted to Dave Allen, whether he wants to be or not. That's the point. It's no good thinking at some point, I know what I'll do. I'll move him on from Dave Allen, because you yeah. can't. You've already done it. So you have to be careful. So my dad was, he loved comedy. He absolutely, he loved it. Thank okay. you, Howard and all that. And in those days, This is, I just want to say, because there would be people under the age of 50 listening to this, I just want to say, in those days, there was no remote control. Okay? Wow. I don't know Just let that sink in for everyone. Yeah, no, no way of sort of getting, you had to get up to check, and not only, it wasn't worth getting up, because there was only two channels. (laughs) There was ITV.
1: But so you'd literally try the other one. That would be a conversation that, was, that would be had in the We Let's try the we other never one.
0: We <laughs> never did. We never did. We had a list. And that's the thing that's very important about kids and why I think we are such well-educated, balanced children. You know, human beings with a real, you know, young people don't know anything sort of. It's true because when we watched, when my, when my daughter was growing up, if she wanted to watch nothing but cheap soaps, she could she could find cheap soaps on every single. If she wanted, you know, she could spend a year watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Just you know, with nothing <laughs> nothing else would come up. If I was sat down in front of the television if, with my dad, first of all, we had to watch Panorama. <laughs> there was no choice. The family was not allowed to say, I'm going up to my room to watch, to watch endless Dave Allen. There was sort of, no, no, we all had to sit as a family and watch Panorama. That's why they allowed, that's why they managed to make Panorama work. You know, it was just as boring then as it is now. But the point was that we had to watch it. There was no-, yeah, no
1: kids want to go down a panorama wormhole on YouTube, do they? No one wants to lose themselves in hours. not of- really?
0: No, 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 no. And so uh so you know that is the bit that's a big change. And I don't know in your house you may find that you need to do this. I think I I'm just trying to think if that happened. No, no. By the time we got to twelve, we'd sort of separated out. That's the trouble. Because the television was when it first came was about the size of a mobile phone. I mean, this is how old I am. You know it was a sort of the screen was so tiny and in black and white that you know everybody had to gather around and sort of stare at it <laughs> as a family, really concentrate. And nobody was but to it's
1: talk. the the housing that the screen came in was the the size in of garage. Yeah.
0: Enormous, but there was a funny little sort of blob in the middle of it which would go, which would, which would sort of, you know, which with a sort of, it would take a long time to warm up. And when it went, when you switched it off, it would sort of very, because of the cathode, slowly disappear into a little sort of white blob. Anyway, that all I'm saying is that's, and so I grew up in a society where a father, this was sort of like the people, you know, like, you know, it's a sort of rite of passage you might find in sort of Papua New Guinea or something like that, you know, which (laughs) is that father had a chair. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) And he would come in and sit. Strategically placed,
1: right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
0: Sit in front of the telly. And the rest of us had to distribute ourselves around (laughs) this sort of central folk. Object, which was the chair, (laughs) in the (laughs) rituals of the sort of the folk rituals of the tribal structure of of uh, of tribal initiation, was at some point when you're about fifteen, you might sit in your dad's chair to watch a bit of television. He would come in and he'd go, "What are you doing in the chair? Get up!" (laughs) Was there ever an official
1: passing of the chair? Was there ever a a time when we could see a young Griff sat in the chair, comfortable in the knowledge that he's not going to be turfed out?
0: (laughs) No, you knew that tribally I had to get to the point where I was, uh, you know, i went, gone through all the initiations in order to leave home myself and go and get my own chair, my own television watching chair. So, you, you know, you, part of leaving home, and I'm
1: sure, you know, much went before in, in, in the incredible life you've had, Griff, but I want to move on to Cambridge and, and joining Footlights. I mean, what an mm-hmm. incredible place to be. And obviously it's given us so many talented individuals, yourself included, o- over its illustrious history. Um, what was it like to join Footlights? And how did your parents react to this? Were they excited? Uh-huh. Obviously their son had got into Cambridge and was being an entertainer and learning yeah. a craft. Was that, was that yeah. the general feel around this the household? Was quite,
0: this was quite an important thing. Okay. Again, in a sort of you know manhood, coming to manhood, and taking on the sort of you know, which I which I tried to repeat with my own son, which was by going to Cambridge, you know, my, my dad hadn't been to he'd been to University of Cardiff, you know, and everything like that, but to get to Cambridge was seen to be you know from humble doctor's background in Epping, you know, it was quite a thing yeah. with the school as a result, but it meant that of course I could now lord it over my parents. It was I, a great relief. I so admire your honesty griff no no you know you know at last you know i was able to say look i i i'm at cambridge we have a second bottle of wine over dinner this <laughs> oh, young man's no, got his own chair yeah no, oh no i don't no i don't think so look it's christmas we're gonna have a second bottle of wine <laughs> So it was a sort of, that is a very important part, isn't it, of being a child, is growing up to the point where you can sort of challenge some of that. And I think quite a lot of it. So they didn't know they were very pleased. I, what happened was I had a great time at university and I met a lot of people who I still hang out with all the time. And who went, you know, we all went off and did things together. So, so people like Jimmy Marvel, who run Hattrick, and and uh, Clive Anderson was a mate of mine, and uh, John Lloyd, who 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 uh, you know did Spit Image and Not the all those things. There was a yeah. sort of you know, there was a total snake pit, uh, as it was called. People, you know, who all got to know each other at Cambridge, and of course, I arrived and uh, I sort of set off and started doing things. And I never did anything else. I had a mate called Simon Levine, his dad, um, sort of. Uh, He didn't do very well in one of the exams we were given because we were periodically expected to work as well, and he didn't do very well in the exam. And so his dad refused. His dad banned him from, you know, doing any more of that sort of stuff. And he was, you know, I we all said, "Who?" He said, "My dad stopped me doing all this stuff, and I've got to change my course and stop doing English." And I said, "Your dad has done that. (laughs) Haven't you by now taken over that chair and?" uh, (laughs) <laughs> aren't you in charge of the house now and got the second bottle of wine out and all that stuff and he said no not in my house so this his dad was an, his dad was a doctor as well and years later i was in not like news and i met his dad who was a quite a big hospital like my dad hospital doctor in north london and he he said he came to me he said i see you're in that the bbc show that show that not like news i said yes and he said how is your father taking it? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, oh, it's all right. It's okay. It's, uh, he's, uh, he's, he's reconciled. He's reconciled to the fact that I've made enough money to buy my own house and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, so uh, so that was all right. That, that was fine. But later, okay, all right, my son goes to uh, school in London, right, comes to me. And he said, uh, he said, uh, what, you know, I'm they saying I should go to Cambridge. I said, "All oh, right." And uh, uh, he said, "What uh, what college?" You know. And I thought, "Wow, this is absolutely extraordinary." Just the first time he'd asked me about anything in terms of advice in nearly well, yeah, in, in sixteen years. So I said, uh, "So, <laughs> <laughs> well, look, George, just." I took, this was great, you know, come into my study. So I took him off into my, you know, and he sat him down. And I said, oh, this is really exciting, you know, because now this was, I was an authority. I said, you know, first of all, you want to be near the river. You know, that's great. Get near the river. And um, the, the one thing, you know, the one thing you mustn't do under any circumstances whatsoever is apply to the college I went to, Emmanuel. And, and there are two reasons for this. One, because, you know, when I was there, it was a sort of, you know, roughly a sort of sporty college, and it, and it had a lot of room for for people like you and me who don't really do uh, work very hard. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and you get and you get, But now it's top. It's top college in the entire university. You know, uh-huh. absolutely academically, really, really difficult to get into. So don't do don't, whatever you do. Don't, and don't go there, because the one thing is, you know, uh, once... Uh, Somebody wrote to the master of a college and said, I had such a good time there, you know, and I would love my son to go. And he got a letter back saying, we have to tell you that we're a place in education and not a stud. And so uh, <laughs> so the truth is that they don't try and go under any circumstances. the place I went. They, 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 went, they don't like it. They don't like any idea that they're a nepotistic sort of organisation. Yes, of course. So he said, OK, of course, yeah. So guess what he did? He went, he went and off it. and applied. He went and applied <laughs> to that college. That's what fatherly advice is worth. He went to the college. Come. He did, but I, let's not go into that. But just okay. say, you know, the idea that you finally get the opportunity to give some fatherly advice and you don't even realise you're a sucker you? that whatever you say, he will do the exact opposite. The exact opposite. You know, that's the sort of father-son relationship that I had. I remember, well, but once I went to, um, and it's just like, like sons and schools. She have not got there yet. You see, this is a big thing. So he's at a school, you know, sort of, you know, Uh, primary school in London, and they asked me in to do the, to judge the poetry reading, you know, Okay. and I said, all right, okay, well, of course, you you know, this is the other thing you will find is you have to, as a dad, I wanted to do a, a whole series called Super Dad, which was all setting the tasks for people on television, which dads have to do. You should mean like you'd have a competition to so see you could get the whole family out of the house first, or you know whether you could do whether dads could do any dance which kids at a at a uh, at a school dance which kids wouldn't throw up at seeing you know that sort of you know, so you imagine you do this in a television show but it's full of tests and one of the tests is going to your children's school, you can imagine you know, because you go there and everybody, you'll find everybody is extremely well presented and seems to be sort of earnest and polite. And you think they're all acting. They're not like this at all, but they're doing that for the benefit of the teachers, you know, to show off to the teachers about what good parents they are. So you'll have to do a bit of that. You'll learn that. You have to, you have to, you have to have an, you have to have an act that you can put on when you go to school with your kids, you know, which is, you know, a proper so you behave like a proper person instead of the slob oh. you are when you're at home I'm well, sorry about that but it, you'll no, find it it's true. Anyway, I'm so, on my second bottle of
1: wine watching Dave Allen you've got me yeah, down that roof. I can't I argue with that
0: I don't know this all comes <laughs> to you this all <laughs> come it's one of the responsibilities of parenthood is dealing with schools so I go so I said I said I, said, I, said, I'll be, I mean, this is going to be because George was a little bit could be quite excitable like me which he for me. so I said I better have a chat I said to Joe better have a chat with George before I go 'cause I can't turn it down because you know, the school have now fingered me to do this because they they've seen me on the telly. I better turn up. So I said, George, I'm coming to do to judge the poetry competition of school next week. He said, I know. I said, and it might be complicated because it might be a little bit embarrassing for you to have your dad um, you know, judging. He said, Of course it will be. And I said, oh, well, I'm glad you understand that. He said, we'd better win. (laughs) I said, what? He said, I've told all my friends. I've opened a book on this, Dad. (laughs) Because we've been been divided. (laughs) We've been divided into teams. And my team all said to me, you know, get him to make sure that we win. I said, I can't do that. It's the opposite. In fact, even if
1: it is best, you can't, even if George's was the best, you can't
0: let him win. You're in, a, well, you're in a lose-lose situation, far, George. Not as far as he was concerned at the age of <laughs> at the age of twelve or whatever. it was. <laughs> so the other thing that happened was he then went to his big school, and he was only you know it, it actually happened when he was thirteen because it was a big school. And we'd moved right into the centre of London, and I'd done this, and uh, I because uh, I, I thought it was time for people, I still think it's time for more people to live right in the centre of London. You know, in those days, we were bit pioneer. And we lived in, we moved into Fitzrovia, which is just north of Soho. Mm. And I mean, we're literally moving in. And I remember uh, I remember when I bought the house, I, I woke up one day, I went, oh, oh, suddenly in the middle of the night, what am I doing? I'm bringing two small children into the, you know, the middle of, sort Soho. of Soho to live. <laughs> am I crazy? Oxford Street is their local high street, sort of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and this is not like not like bringing them up in the sort of leafy suburbs. This is sort of you know free of all threats. This is surrounded by all the drug dealers and the and the, and the gangsters and all the rest of it and all the strip cars. So I said, uh, I said George, I sat him down. I said George, you're, it, and not only that, he was going to walk to school straight through school. And I said, what? You know, George, on the way, you know, home from school, say, and friends of yours say, you know, you all, oh, you've all finished school, thinking of my own school, you know, my own childhood. I said, what if, you know, what if, uh, you know, what somebody says, oh, let's go into Soho, you know, let's let's go into Soho and go into some of those, you know, one of those slot machine places, you know, or gambling places, you know, and we'll all play the thing. I said, would you, you know, would you, would you want to go? He said, no. I said, you wouldn't want to go and explore the sort of the sort of stock shit. No, no, not at all. Good. I don't have any money. <laughs> no, that's not the point. <laughs> are you are you gonna give me money so I can go? No, 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 I'm not. No <laughs> <laughs> lads we're going gambling dad's giving me a load of money and we yeah, won definitely. the poetry
1: contest <laughs> yeah
0: yeah so there is you know these you'll find that there are you know there are great moments in your life where you realize that whatever you've done and you thought you'd sort of brought up a um all you've brought up is an intelligent child not a you know a, not one who can sort of question what you tell them to do and in the end, I, you know, I went to Cambridge. My son settled into Cambridge and started uh, to read architecture. And I, I finally, on the third third year, I think, I, I went there and I took him out to lunch. And I said, look, look here. And he said, what? I said, look, you're working too hard. You really have to spend more. Because t- he, was, he, was, he was working so hard when he was there, yeah. you know, they were starting at sort of seven in the morning and finishing at nine at night, all doing their little models of architecture and stuff like that. And I Goodness said, you don't man. want to do that. You're in, you're at Cambridge University here. You have to, you have to now do nothing and lie around all morning. <laughs> you have to drink that second bottle of wine for lunch, you know, that's what you're here for. <laughs> this what is great are parenting you
1: advice, Griffin.
0: <laughs> You won't make enough friends to help you up the terrible tree. <laughs> That house is not going to build itself, you know. Um, no, no. So that was me and my son, and he's turned out. He was quite a sort of, you know, he was quite a hyperactive kid. Uh, but and uh, uh, and I remember, I won't say he's in jail now. The person who said to me he said, "How is your son?" Because he was a quite a, he was quite a, he was quite a. He said to me, "He quite, he was quite a difficult kid, wasn't he?" I said, "Was he?" Uh, <laughs> he's he's actually in jail now. But but the point is that. <laughs> the point is not my son this bloke who said this to me but my, my son is turned out to be a sort of real new age sort of you know sensitive sort of bloke It's amazing i don't know where he got that from
1: from his mother probably well i'm i'm pleased to hear that Griff, you've, you've given out so much dad advice, but it is a, a special section of, of this podcast that I know yeah. so many of the subscribers look forward to. Uh, in the past, I've been giving some some excellent ones. Uh, Chris Kamara said he always likes to check in on, on his kids. They're older, but he likes to make a phone call to them and just see if everything's okay. Uh, Tim Minchin said that it was very important to put your, your your phones away and enjoy the moment instead of trying to capture it all on video, just actually be in that moment. Uh, comedian Rob Beckett said, take as much time as you can in the bathroom. Uh, a lot of time on your ablutions, because it's the only downtime you're going to get. Um, and Joe Swash spoke of something called the lucky dip, but the less we say about that, the better. Uh, what would your kind of, if you could boil it down, what would your one piece of dad advice be for all the
0: parents uh, listening to this right now? Ooh. Oh, gracious. Just, just remember, my my piece of dad advice is Do as you want your kids to be, not tell them. Because they basically, somewhere along the line, we all think, I know what I've got to do now. I've got to start instructing my kids about how to behave or what to do. But if you don't behave like that yourself, then you don't have a hope. So I seriously think that what kids do is take huge parts of our personalities Straight out of us and export them into into the real world, um, and they do that because, and it may come out in a different way, you know. So, like, I'm I'm a little bit overexcitable and neurotic about work and things that I do, um, and uh, uh, and I think that was uh, that was a mistake. Okay, for the kids, do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? In a I funny sort you mean, of way, actually, Griff. You're you know exactly what I mean. Yeah. That that that, that mm. is not like favorite. It's not a very funny one, but it is no, true no, that if yeah. you, if you, the things that you uh, worry about or concern yourself about or really mean things to you, be careful about them mm. and be careful about making them too um, obvious in your life because they then um, they become part of the way that. Uh, that, that your child looks at the world too you know and and that's and there are good things so if you're an honest um straightforward person people become your children as um, you know um, uh, i am and to an sort of extraordinary extent my um, kids are both you know very straightforward honest uh, people i'm really proud of that do you know what I mean but sometimes i see when they're um uh, when my daughter has been upset about something and I thought, that's me, you know, I, brought, I sort of created that for her a little bit because right. I was too, I was too worried about things I was doing in the middle of our life. You know, those I, stuff, you know.
1: I am, I'm guilty of that. So you've given me much to think about. I'm sure that's the, the same for, for, for everybody listening to this um, Griff. Finally, uh, there's an old saying about choosing a favorite child. Now you don't have to name them. <laughs> Do you have a favorite child? <laughs> yes or no.
0: No, no. I love both. My I love both. My no, true. I don't have a correct answer. They are both. Um. In fact, what's weird is that they both spend a lot of time going. Oh you've done this for her or you've done this for him, but you haven't done this for me. So we have to be, have to be quite careful if you end up with two kids. I mean, we were quite greedy because we got two kids and we thought that's one in each hand, you know, and you've still got a hand to open the car doors and they, you know, you can stick two in the back. It's, and we got a set, you know, we got a boy and a girl. So we yes. we had two kids and we were a sort of a, a perfectly matched, evenly done. But there's no doubt that under those circumstances, two kids, do see themselves as rivals if you don't look out
1: (laughs) okay that's good to know uh griff thank you so much for your time and for being so funny and informative and it's been so lovely to to hear about your parenting journey and i'm so pleased for you and your partner that you've become grandparents again that's just the most wonderful news and once this is all over i'm really thinking of you having those big hugs and stuff and um thank you very much indeed griff appreciate it pleasure What a pleasure to spend some time in the company of the legend that is Griff Rhys-Jones. I'm sure you'll agree he did not disappoint. Also, thank you very much indeed to you guys for taking the time to listen to The Dad Pod and for leaving those nice reviews. I really do appreciate it. And thank you to those of you who have emailed me. Continue to do so. It's DaveBerryDadPod at gmail.com. Keep them coming. I love to know that you're finding this podcast helpful. Next time, well, my guest on The Dad Pod is going to be a very funny father indeed. Jason Manford will be talking parenthood and going back on tour. And of course, what it was like to be that giant hedgehog. I'll see you then.